This is episode seven of an indie web podcast, a podcast that still only has a working title, which may end up becoming the title for that reason. And I'm David Chansky at david.chansky.com. And I'm joined as usual by Chris Aldrich, who is at bafosaco.com. That's two F's and two O's. Oh, excuse me, three O's. I forgot the third O. No, four O's. Yeah, there's four O's in there. I'm tired. You'd think I was an Orioles fan for that many O's. Yeah, but no, the Saco has two O's, Bafo has two O's. That's four O's. Don't forget the dot com. Yeah, but, you know, most people are dot coms. Yeah. Not everyone. Because I'm also a U.S. Oh, hey, there you go. Yes, I do own Shansky.us as well as Shansky.com. Just redirect everything. Well, um, I use US for something else. That's us, not just. If I yeah. could, have, if, if I felt that I could afford Shansky.family, I would have bought that one too. Why are those expensive? I just felt that uh, it was more. It was expensive enough compared to .com and .us that I didn't need a third one. Yeah. Anyway, nobody would remember the dot .family. They'd always use the .com anyway, so it wasn't really worth it. Yeah, or only the family would. Anyway, so um, last time we were talking about a variety of different things. Yeah, what if you're broken since then? Yeah, uh, let's see. <laughs> he, so, he asks in jest. Yeah, uh, well, I think last time I was talking about the broken avatars. I broke yes. Of those. Uh, by the way, that code still hasn't gone out. Um, it's waiting. I think it's ready to go, but... I have to see if uh, Matthias, who has the authority to push, or I do not, uh, actually can get around to it because I know there are a bunch of people upset about creepy spy-like people. Yeah. Yes, the spy guy is leaving due to popular demand. Are you going to replace it with a cute cat? or uh, maybe... uh, No, uh, with a locally hosted copy of The Mystery Man. Oh, Everybody okay. already has The Mystery Man, so nobody can complain about The Mystery Man being there. And if you want something different, you can always try that plugin that I recommended, Avatar Privacy. Yes. Which well, you rec- you recommended it to me. I don't know if you recommended it to others, really. Well, I figured I'm recommending it to you, and I am recommending it now to others. Okay. So Avatar Privacy is a plugin that was created by I was. There are actually two people it was created by. So the original plugin was created by Johannes uh, Frudenda. Um, but from what I gather. The plugin was uh, basically abandoned. So the plugin apparently wasn't getting very much attention. Uh, so there, um, it was basically nothing happened on it for five years. And it looks like um, starting in May, a new developer, uh, Peter Putzer, um, took it over. Or at least that's my impression of what happened. Um, I didn't ask correctly. Because I yeah. saw, I've seen the. There was a whole discussion where it was basically, "Do you want to take this thing over?" So three months ago, um, Peter Putzer said, "I'd be interested in adopting the plugin." So it looks like that happened. Mm-hmm. So the original developer wasn't actively developing it anymore, and a new developer has come on. And I'm seeing stuff from him on nearly a daily basis. 
Which is good. Sorry about Bless that. You. No, so the re- um, I'm mentioning it because it does all um, it does a lot of those GDPR things that people like right now. Mm-hmm. I'm saying that because people seem to be very concerned about it. So the plugin itself has all of these. I think there was an explanation that he put in. I just want to see if I can find it. Yeah, I just pulled pulled up the. Uh... Because yeah, he had a page. The repo. Yeah, he, but he had a page where he was sort of explaining what it does and why. Here we are. Reasons for using avatar privacy. And the reason I'm going into this, and again, this isn't necessarily, while both of us are WordPress users, it isn't a WordPress-specific um, podcast, but as an indie web user, some of the issues that WordPress comes up upon apply to other people. So mm-hmm. um, this goes back to the Gravatar issue. So Gravatar, basically, you give it an email address, it gives you a picture. Uh, So one of the issues is that you you should theoretically be able to guess the email address from the hashed version of the email that's in the Gravatar URL. Uh, The Avatar URL, even though it's not publicly shown, I mean, the email, it it does tie multiple comments together on different sites. So even if you want to remain anonymous, if you want your picture to appear, while the site may not share your email address, it does share this hashed version of your email address, which means you can figure out that this is the same person, even if they don't supply their name. Yeah. So then, um, anytime you visit the page, uh, the images are loaded from the Gravatar servers into the browser. So by doing so, Gravatar learns a whole bunch of stuff about you. Uh, that one I'm not necessarily so concerned about, but I know people are. And if somebody wants to create a fake comment using somebody's identities, they can, as long as they know their email address, they can do so. Mm-hmm. Or you can create another Gravatar account and upload the exact same picture. So what the plugin does is that all default images are hosted on the server instead of at Gravatar.com. These would be the ones where there is not an image. And any... Um, Gravatar, um, basically only users and commenters who give their consent um, will Gravatar be contacted to get their image. So it adds a checkbox where you say, let me go out, you want me to go out to Gravatar to get an image. Mm -hmm. And even though you go out to get the image, it caches it locally. So basically, once again, it's not going out 50 times. Yeah. Uh, It uses a a salted hash to identify avatars, so it can't be tracked because it's unique to the site. And the only thing it doesn't protect against would be the fake identity problem, which is basically using somebody else's picture for as your avatar. Yeah. But nobody can do anything about that one. At least well, not, not in this context. And that's actually been a big issue for even people who are creating spam bot armies on places like Twitter. I think there were a month or two ago, there was a a handful of articles about people whose identities had been stolen on Twitter, you know, and they literally were changing small letters or characters in the name that typically were not easily distinguishable. So they would change capital L's or they were taking L's 
and eyes and swapping them. So when you looked at it on its face, it looked like the person's actual account when in fact it was a bot. Toots. But ultimately, identity is important. So the whole idea of trying to make it so that there's a little more about it is important. But there's one thing that I've said that I care a little more about in this context. Mm -hmm. I don't like loading 50 dependencies from a third-party website. I like to serve my own dependencies. So I don't like having to serve an image from somewhere else. Yeah. And, and particularly if you got to make 500 calls to do it. Yeah, well, so what this does is it caches it locally, but it also um, does support um, a local avatar upload. Mm -hmm. So I can upload and save things. Now, one of the things I'd like to do is see if I can link into this a little more effectively. This is going to be my recommended avatar plugin of choice. I don't necessarily know if uh, the indie web community would agree with me. If so, it could always become not an indie web endorsed plugin because I think it is probably the best of its kind that I can find. It does everything that you expect it to do. Yeah, but we'll see. I've said from um, from the beginning that the indie web set of plugins needs to recommend a local avatar one. It's been on the list. Yeah, well, that's the thing too. Is it you know the by its nature the indie web is being built slowly but surely and the nice part is it's being self-dogfooded by not just dozens but hundreds and hundreds upon hundreds of people who either like it certain parts or don't like certain parts and then you know folks will go in and make changes or even things like the original thing that caused you know your original issue on this was the you know the creepy spy guy problem you know, it, it's well, not going to be everybody's that, cup of tea. So that's not actually what caused the problem. <laughs> you refine and you work. What caused the problem was the was web mentions and semantic linkbacks basically going out. Um, in order to serve a, an anonymous avatar, they were going out to Gravatar to get it. And I yeah. said, I know 100% of the time that what I'm looking for is not going to be on Gravatar. Yeah. So because none of these things had email addresses. So it's basically, yeah. I have to go and serve something from Gravatar when I know that there will never be an image. So I wanted it to basically serve a local image when it knew there was no point in going out to Gravatar. Um, that didn't quite work out um, because people were unhappy. So I completely redesigned it. And there's a new version waiting to be pushed where if you don't have an email address, it serves a local image. If you have an email address, it goes out to Gravatar, asks whether or not there is a image stored there. And if there is one, it caches the fact that there's an image stored there. If it, if there isn't an image stored on Gravatar, then it comes back and caches the fact that there wasn't. Mm -hmm. So it's back to the design of the plugin, which is that the avatars that show on any given post are the ones that existed at the time that post was created. So the only way to change the image is to send an update web mention. Yeah. Which I thought made logical sense. So I went to that sort of model. Mm -hmm. And we'll see. Um, I'm looking forward to getting that out so that people can stop being upset with me about um, allegedly creepy guy. 
Well, but there's, you know, it's the, we're also getting to some of the growing pains, I think, too, of what the indie web is facing, particularly in areas like WordPress is there's a, there's a lot of people who are heavily reliant on the software they're using coming from others rather than them writing it and coding themselves. Um, Well, um, that brings me to the other thing I broke. (laughs) Uh, I, so, um, People were very unhappy about the indie auth plugin. I'm saying very unhappy because uh, when it didn't work for them, they were unhappy. When it yeah. worked for them, they seemed to be very happy. Uh, so you said that at some point I had explained uh, indie auth versus web sign it on here, and I'm not sure if I ever did adequately. I know I explained indie auth. Yeah. I don't. Um, my notes indicate I never talked about web sign in because it took me a long time to sort of try to get the difference, which is the reason why uh, people confuse indie auth and realme auth. So I'm going to try. You can tell me if this makes sense to you. And okay. it explains how I broke uh, web mentions for everybody who installed the indie auth plugin for a few days. So um, indie auth is basically um, an OAuth type standard for Authorization. That's where you authorize somebody to act as you. And I always mix up authorization and authentication. I apologize if I'm mixing them up again. So I'm going to make sure that I'm not. So, no, um, authentication is uh, basically, yeah, I'm right about this. I'm not mixing them up this time. So, authorization is when you delegate something to act as you. So, that's uh, your MicroPub client, for example. Mm hmm. Authentication is where you want to log in using one of these servers into some site. So basically, you, the user, wants. The difference between the two is at the end of authorization, you get a token. The token is a client's permission to log in as you. At the end of authentication, you get logged into the thing. No token is issued. Mm -hmm. So then we get to web sign-in. Now, the web sign-in protocol states that you basically, you log in using a URL. So it's all about authentication, not about authorization. Yes. So with web sign-in, if you don't have the ability to sign in using your site because you do not have an indie auth endpoint, then it falls back on trying to log you in using some other means. Now, uh, for IndieAuth.com, which is being replaced by Indie Login for this reason, that's RealmeAuth, where it tries to find other providers that can identify you and then log you in using them. So using things like Twitter or GitHub to say, I'm, because I'm logged into Twitter and I've proven to Twitter I am who I say I am because I have my password and my username. And I've proven to the that. site that this Twitter account is the same as me. That's yeah. the, um, Realme is basically you put a link into the Twitter account to your website and a link on your website to the Twitter account. That's Realme relationship. Mm-hmm. So the whole thing is, and it, um, since there's been a lot of confusion about this, it, I think it took me a while to sort of get it. Basically, people were using the Indie Auth plugin because they wanted to log into their website using Twitter. Now, if you want to um, want to log into your website using Twitter. There are plenty of plugins that have nothing to do with indie auth that will do that for you. Mm-hmm. So it's not really a good use of the indie auth plugin, but it was the original use. Mm-hmm. 
So the functionality is still there, but the major rewrite version 3.0 that went out was designed to completely isolate the web sign-in code, which basically um, queries your site to see whether or not there is an IndieAuth endpoint and then logs you into another site using that. So let's say um, you have two websites. You have what, stream.bafosaco.com and bafosaco.com? Yes. So what if you wanted to log into stream.bafosaco.com using the credentials of bafosaco.com? So bafosaco.com is the one with the WordPress endpoint, and the other one is uh, known, if I remember correctly. Yes. So what if you wanted to log into one with the credentials of the other one? So that would be basically web sign-in. You would put in your the URL for your, let's say, your known site into the WordPress site. It would go out to the IndieAuth endpoint for the known site. It would authenticate you to that, and then it would return that that was authenticated. And the web sign-in component of the IndieAuth plugin would basically admit you to the WordPress site. Mm -hmm. um, so that's what the current behavior now is. So that code is completely separate from the code that does the actual endpoint, which is why at some point, if Indie login ever comes to exist, the web sign-in code may become its own plugin. I know everybody says they don't want another plugin, but there seems to be a lot of confusion about putting those two things together. Yeah, I think that's the, the tougher part is people have been, and the people in the, the even tougher is people have been using this plugin for one, for its one and only purpose for so long, I think. Yeah, so now the purposes are just completely divided. So in order for you to use it to log in using RealmeAuth, you have to use the URL of a website that has IndieAuth.com as the authorization endpoint, and then it will let you log in. But mm -hmm. if you have the Indie Auth plugin enabled, it's now no longer going to give you a choice. That site will automatically be enabled for the local Indie Auth endpoint, the one that's built into the plugin. On the assumption that if you installed something whose purpose it is to give you an Indie Auth endpoint that you want to use it. Mm -hmm. And while that's taking away functionality, it makes more logical sense. So if you have a micropub site and you want to use IndieAuth.com to authenticate, you just disable the Indie Auth plugin and the micropub code will actually authenticate to IndieAuth.com. So that whole transaction so, will happen on the MicroPub side, not on the IndieAuth side. So that piece is already built into the MicroPub client automatically. Uh, yes, but there's no um, user interface for changing which um, endpoint it's actually using. Okay, so, you, so you're, you're stuck with the one it gives you rather than the ability to... Well, you can change it by going in and changing a setting, but there's no interface. So one of the steps I'll probably do is put in an interface in the future. Mm -hmm. Which I think makes logical sense. And that interface will only present itself if the IndieAuth plugin is not enabled. Yes. That makes sense. I'm trying not to confuse people. So <laughs> we did all of these fixes, and we tried to fix a whole bunch of other things that were going wrong with the IndieAuth plugin for various different people. So for the record, the thing has never been broken for me, but I built it, so uh, I don't count <laughs> in that sense. So trying to figure out how to solve other people's problems when you don't have those problems. Uh, Not easy. Bit, yeah, so I've tried to figure out some of the more basic ones. So right now, the local IndieAuth endpoint um, locally verifies all information. It does not go out using the IndieAuth protocol to verify anything because the protocol allows if the IndieAuth token endpoint and the authorization endpoint are the same server that they can communicate internally with each other rather than externally. 
which is what they're mm-hmm. doing. So right now everything got retied together, everything got rejiggered, and it um, it could be better, but there's it's a lot more robust than it was. Um, it's now you know it's now no longer leaking information as cookies in your browser. Mm-hmm. So previously the sort of temporary design that um, was that it stored all of the state information, the endpoint information, and so on in your browser which meant that you could theoretically change those cookies and maliciously do something if you wanted to. Theoretically. Mm -hmm. Uh, It would have been very hard even if somebody theoretically did it. Right now, there's only one cookie stored in your browser. It it basically is state. And the state is basically saved in the WordPress instance so that it knows what all the other parameters are connected with that state. So if yeah. you change to a if you change to a different state parameter, then you might get different results. However, since the state parameter is a randomized string that uses the WordPress password generation code, mm-hmm. it is nearly impossible to figure out what it, a valid one might be, unless you can figure out how to um, predict another 128 character randomly generated string. Yeah, which probably unlikely. Or at least incredibly difficult to you. Not only that, the cookie in question expires in, I think it's two minutes. Yeah. As does the storage in, um, inside WordPress itself. So that, um, so that was, all of that was were a whole bunch of big changes. But one of the biggest problems for people who weren't able to get it to work is that it wouldn't return anything but the unauthorized error, which is the WordPress REST API authentication error. Mm-hmm. Um, So I changed it so that it would always return an error if it couldn't find a token. So if it doesn't find a token, it would return an error saying that no token was found, which is a wonderful troubleshooting mechanism, much better than unauthorized. Yes. Except for one problem. That meant that any time you tried to access anything in the REST API and WordPress, it would do that. (laughs) So the web mention endpoint, for example, uses the REST API but doesn't have any authentication required because you don't have to authenticate to your web mention endpoint. So nobody's web mentions were working for about a day. Day, yeah, day and a half tops, I think. Yeah, sorry. I I tried to track it down, and I I think mine I noticed maybe it was maybe less than actually twenty four hours in my case, but well, basically somebody said something about it. I instantly figured out what the problem was. Mm-hmm. and sent in the pull request and just had to wait for somebody to review it since we have a review policy. Um, any IndieWeb plugin, so this is anyone that's in the IndieWeb repository rather than the individual repositories, has to be reviewed by at least one other community member. So um, that technically applies to the ones that are not in the community repository. If it's a PostKinds um, request, it has to be reviewed by me. However, if I'm doing it, I'm reviewing myself. Half the time, I'm the only one doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with uh, Matthias and his plugins. If I submit to him, he has to review it. Uh, but he doesn't review his own. Um, he doesn't have a third party review his own stuff. Yeah. So on the indie, on the, anything that's in the indie web repository, who um, there has to be at least two people involved. Which is while I made the mistake, I still say we made a mistake. Oh yes. I'm not blaming anybody. It was my mistake. I instituted it. I should have caught it. But at least um, there is some redundancy in it to try to prevent so, me from making mistakes. 
Has that I haven't noticed. Has that um, fix been pushed now? It has, um, as of last night. Okay. Well, technically, as of like three a.m. I morning. haven't I haven't looked yet today, yeah. but I had made a manual change. Yeah, that's it. Was basically me saying that it needed to be pushed on an emergency basis as quickly as possible, and we could. So the setting is now hidden behind a constant. So if you want to debug your problem with that. You can turn it on knowing that it's going to disable everything else until you turn it back off again. Uh, the README explains it. Mm-hmm. Hopefully I explained it. Well. But uh, that is just evidence of the fact that um, I've been going around pushing all of these different fix my way. <laughs> which I've- well, I'm glad you noticed because my first inclination was that it was either something that had gone screwy with a recent change to either the Web Mentions plugin or maybe the Semantic Link Packs plugin. I never in a million years would have thought this is an an indie auth plugin issue. Well, the safest thing to do if you find a, a problem is assume it's me. <laughs> no, no. No, statistically speaking, uh, if there's a push being done, it's probably something I did. No, that's my problem is I, you know, there will be something I want done and done immediately. And I'll, you know, I tend to more often than I really should to do a little bit of cowboy coding on the side. And maybe I don't pay quite as much attention as I should. Okay. And then assume it's three, three, and, yeah, <laughs> three days new. later, I noticed something's gone wrong, and uh, yeah. I got to figure track down what where the error was. And I, you know, I should just know better. Um, okay, assume it's you, and when you've eliminated the possibility it's you, then assume it's me. So the the nice part in this case was I, uh, I think I had gotten a ping back from someone who I would have expected to have sent me a web mention instead. And when I saw the ping back, I thought, okay, something weird is going on here. What's going on? And then I went and looked and realized, oh, I haven't seen a new web mention in, you know, 24 hours. And I had published one or two things, so I knew I should have gotten something. Again, Um, sorry. And then the nice part was I was able to, you know, hop into the chat, scroll back a few hours and realize somebody in the UK had discovered the issue well in advance, so yeah, and I've been battling insomnia for the last two days. Oh, gee. <laughs> no, um, if you've looked at w- when I've been active, I just in both fr- um, Friday night and Saturday night, I didn't get very much sleep. Uh, Not because of this. Um, I was just having trouble sleeping, and it was a combination of hanging around, doing things around the house, and uh, watching old television shows. Yeah. Uh. Well, that'll do it. I had a bed bug scare. Uh-oh. Well, I found a bug, which I thought was a bed bug. Uh, fortunately, it was a beetle. I was able to get an expert opinion from my exterminator. But uh, finding beetles in your bed is also not a fun thing. So I basically, um, in the middle of the night, stripped the entire bed, washed everything off, took the entire the mattress off the frame, took the frame away, vacuumed under the bed. Uh. You know, um sprayed down the floor under the bed, put everything back under the bed, waited for the stuff to come out of the dryer, remade the bed. And by that time, I wasn't really in the mood to go back to bed. 
Yeah. So you were dealing both with actual bugs and coding bugs. Yeah. Simul- simultaneously. Yeah. So, we, again, we all have our strange things. But um, that puts me to now where I've come to the conclusion I will not have a new flashy feature um, to show at the Indie Web Summit. But I intend to have uh, a lot of little bug fixes and little enhancements for a lot of different things by then. Because I don't think I'll get the syndication project that I really wanted to finish up. Yeah. Um, so I have one for you that will be coming out in the next 24 hours, if you want something to look forward to. Well, I'm, now I'm going to start going to dig into to GitHub repositories and see what's been changing in the last two or three days. Well, in uh, you know how in WordPress there's a little um, menu at the top of the admin where it has the name of your site, a little WordPress logo, a thing that says how many updates there are, how many comments there are, and then um, the ability to do a new post um, media page or user. Yeah. Uh, that new pull down now has every single um, kind that you have enabled on your site. For creating new kinds quickly? Yes. Okay. That Now that's fancy. Yeah, so you can now do new article and go directly to article, new whatever, you, again, whatever you have configured. Yeah. Also, I've been working on the configuration for um, read posts because of indiebookclub.biz. Oh, yes. Did, so, we, didn't talk, did we talk about that last week? I don't think we, we did. We didn't, and I wanted to use that as an opportunity to talk about um, Gregor's project. So uh, Gregor um, started this as um, the idea of the site was original, um, or at least the name of the site was a joke. The site itself is not a joke, but uh, somebody oh, cool. did Select um, some the idea of calling it indiebookclub.biz was a joke, but the domain name was available, so he bought it. If I understand correctly, yeah. Uh, so, indiebookclub.biz is basically an app for keeping track of books you're reading or want to read. It's a micropub client that's based on Teacup, which is the eating and drinking app that Aaron Parecki created. So, it uses a lot of similar code. Well, I, I almost even think of it as a – when you look at it, first and foremost, it is a freestanding reading silo for, you know, essentially a microblog of all the things you're reading first. But it has the extra magical capability on the other side of allowing you to, micro, you know, create micropub – and, or use it as a micropub client to send those reads back to your site as well. Yeah, and you, um, I went in with my test site and started to uh, play with it a bit. And the idea of that was basically just to get a sample uh, red post from the site that I could basically uh, work on styling. He has a very nice documentation page, so I should have something done with that in the near future. Um, but right now, the PostKinds plugin for WordPress doesn't recognize the red of property if it comes from the MicroPub plugin, but the current development version does. So I want to make sure everything is stored correctly in the correct format and the posts are classified, and I can always work on the presentation later. So my goal is before I go to bed to have a very basic version of this out. And I was mm-hmm. looking to see, are there any, while I'm 
playing bug fix. Yeah. If there were any really simple things that I actually could do otherwise. So I found the add um, different um, kinds of posts to the new menu and a few other little minor things in that area that as long as I was in there, I might as well clean up. So it wasn't just one little thing I did. I thought I would do like two or three little things before I moved on. Yeah. Well, so in looking at your uh, test site, I see a read post that has an icon on the word red, and then the data of the thing you finished reading actually appears as part of the post. By the way, I, I hate to, to spoil it for you, but no, I did not just finish reading that book. <laughs> I don't know. The Prisoner Pineapple Place looks like it could be a lot of fun. Have you read that book? No, I, <laughs> I haven't. I think it's out of print. Uh, the Prisoner of Pineapple Place is a uh, a young adult novel. <laughs> By Anne Moreau Lindbergh. So I basically chose a children's book that I read some years ago. Yeah. Well, this says you finished reading it just 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 the other day. Well, no, it says my test site finished reading it. Yeah. Well, okay. But basically, I just looked up the ISBN and the other information on, on that book, and you may notice that uh, the formatting is not set there. But since I have all the data in this post, I can style it now. And pull the data yeah. out and create a, a template for it. So is that does that mean you're going to be with the micropub request coming in that you're going to be able to take that data and put it into the existing post form or post kinds setup? Well, it's already um, it's already there. Uh, not 100, percent but if you actually go and look. Um, if everything's set in the correct place, then it should automatically do that. Now, right now, it isn't quite there. The way that um, Gregor has set it up, um, the status there doesn't show um, that much. So I mm -hmm. basically just have to make some modifications, and I may have to post a few more test ones, because it, um, sometimes when I haven't configured it correctly, if I update it, overwrite some of the parameters with empty. Mm -hmm. Springs, so I'll have everything fixed before I push in, and that's my goal for, if not by the end of today, tomorrow, to make sure that anybody who wants to use his site has at least a basic presentation. Yeah. Because I do not have a UID field right now for an ISBN. Yeah. And we'll see how I want to address that. Well, that'll, that'll be interesting because I think between what he's built and, I, and when I saw it the first time about a week ago, you know, I thought he was going to have kind of a bare bones version of something up and running. And I, you know, was just totally blown away with how much he'd ac actually built into it thus far. Um, yeah, and that's, I mean, why I, that's why I want to support it again at least a basic version of it before something else. I want to make sure that data is accumulating correctly. Mm -hmm. So as long as data is accumulating correctly, it means that we can move from there. But well, I think, you know, if you want another or some little indie web summit type project, my guess is you probably could take a chunk or even Gregor could probably take a chunk of some of the parsing code you've written so that his site can find and pull all that data in automatically. 
Well, again, uh, from an ISBN number, you need you need something that could look up by ISBN number. So I don't know this, uh, um, who has an API that can look up by ISBN. Uh, Google Books, I'm pretty sure, has something that'll do that. Well, um, let's see. Goodreads has one. And Goodreads probably does. the. Uh, I'm, think, op- I'm thinking open. Goodreads only because it's very popular and might have a lot of data. I think Open Library... Uh, likely does as well. Yeah, but, um, but I've I, I've I've used a. In fact, it's one of the few WordPress plugins I think that I've seen. It's already deprecated itself in anticipation of Gutenberg. Uh, and there's kind of a Gutenberg version, but there's a book-related plugin that I was using for book reviews that was using Google Books's version that you put in an ISBN number and it would pull back the title and author and a bunch of additional metadata. Well, then what you need is an extension onto the PostKinds parser that looks for other forms of data and tries to parse them in a different way. But my guess is the even even better is one could, if you were on a Goodreads page or an Amazon page or something like that, if there were a bookmarklet that could go through and parse the page and send that data to the micropub client to start with. Well, what I might do is um, take a lesson from X-Ray, which is Aaron Parecki's um, parsing library, which I've been inspired by before. Um, I'm not going to say that the code in my parsing library is identical to his. It isn't. Uh, But there are sections of it that uh, I basically learned from his way of doing it. Mm -hmm. But what he has is um, he parses uh, uh, microformats too, but he also specifically parses uh, the URL against known services, um, which would be Instagram, Twitter, GitHub, XKCD, Hacker News, uh, and public Facebook events. Mm-hmm. So he has a list of sites where if the URL is on the site, it does it in a different way. Mm-hmm. And I've thought about having a similar feature uh, where I could basically get better data by saying, I know that there's an API I can handle for the site. Let me go and just pull the information that way. Yeah. Now the difference between my code and his code is that in the event that there's no microformats, I fall back on open graph. Which is not always a horrible thing either. And cause... I convert the open graph properties over to microformats properties. So I try to map the two and say, okay, here are properties I know a lot of sites have. Let me put them into I, into microformats property names so that I can have something. Since I know there are more sites out there that have open graph than microformats, programmably mm-hmm. speaking. So that's my solution to the same problem. And if you want to see that, because uh, Michael Bishop asked me about it the other day, the uh, secret um, test parser built into Post. I'm guessing you've never tried it. Uh, no, I want to say, actually, I remember you having the conversation and I want to say I tried it like a year, year and a half ago, just after you built it. Well, basically it is only enabled if you have debugging on in WordPress and it's PKD. It's basically you add to the end of your URL um, question mark PK debug equals form. Now the form has two features designed in it. One is if you put a URL into the box, it will attempt to parse it using the code and it will show you what the output is. But two, if you put a number in of a post on the site, and this is the part that is not in the literature because I never bothered to change the literature, it basically um, returns any given post on the site in with its microformats using 
the built-in micro, um, basically WordPress post object to microformats code that I wrote. Mm -hmm. So what was that? It was a question mark PK debug equals form. So it's sort of a crazy approach. Yeah. Well, not crazy, useful, depending well, on... it's what I use... Um, whenever I'm trying to enhance the software, it's what I use to make sure that I'm enhancing the parser correctly. I need a... Mm -hmm. It's basically my own internal test on it so that I'm not constantly using the interface. Yeah. So it does work rather effectively, and it allows me to look at everything in there and basically figure out everything I need to know. But I mentioned it every so often. It just occurred to me because somebody asked about it just this week. Yeah. No, I'm pretty sure I've used it in the past. That and it seems like there's one other little hidden snippet like that somewhere else that I've got written in my notes, but it's so rare that I have need to use them that Well I'm coming on I'm changing time zones which is when I get to go to one of my favorite little snippets. Ah. Um, the ones about time zone detection. Mm -hmm. The one that Gutenberg is going to get rid of. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, basically, the ability to click the clock in the publish box in the editor and have it set it to whatever time zone your browser is set to. Yeah. I had a lot of trouble when I was changing time zones, getting everything right there. But that's the one plugin I haven't made a swath through in the last few weeks. Yeah. Location. I really wanted a new weather provider. Oh, well. <laughs> so if I'm lucky, I'll be able to, within the next day or so, get basic support for read posts up. Yeah. In both directions, because it has to be postable locally, and it has to be postable using Indie Book Club. Um, which I think I can do, unlike when I tried to do uh, food and drink, which is now only uh, supported through Teacup, it is not supported locally. Yeah. Well, what do you mean by not supported locally? Lo um, the editor will not support it. So you can't go into the editor and create an eat or a drink post by default. It is not something, that, it is not an option that you'll see. But if you use teacup, even though it, um, you cannot select eat or drink on the menu, mm -hmm. it's actually one of the disabled kinds of posts. It will set it anyway and and display it as close to properly as possible, even though it's not officially supported, because there is an app that can do them. So my philosophy is, even if I'm not ready to support it in the editor, that there'll always be a way for you to send micropub content in. Yeah. Well, I, I think actually, if I remember too, because I, I've done it a couple of times. But if you enable eat and drink, and you, you know, put the text of whatever the thing you're eating or drinking, it actually, I think, will show up. Yeah, it will. Reasonably well, it won't. Yeah, I'm just saying, <laughs> there's no, there's no interface for it. Yeah, that would be a really hard one to do. That list of options. Yeah, that seems like it's more of a WordPress taxonomy type thing. Yeah, it could be, but it, or a buildable. Although the number of things one eats and drinks can vary so drastically that, you know, just using a a constant field that you can enter whatever you want into it is probably just as good as anything else. 
And that's why at some point I may tackle it, but it's not a, it's not high on my list right now. Yeah. So I'll get a few more things done and then switch over because I'm trying to get a little done on everything. Well, what have you decided what you're going to do at the summit? I don't know. Um, at the last summit, I was sitting there trying to get that little time clock working, aesthetically <laughs> pleasing. So who knows? You know, I, I'm either working on one project and driving myself crazy on it, or just jumping from you know, like little project to little project. Mm-hmm. And we'll see. Have you decided what you're doing? I always keep a list um, of things that I want to do, and invariably something else tickles my fancy the day of or the day before, and then I totally get derailed and end up building something else. Uh, that's, um, quite, that's quite possible from what I'm doing. Because there's always somebody, somebody will come up with a session idea that is interesting or timely and I'll come up with something that's doable inside of the day. Cause that's the other thing too, is I, you know, I have a list of longer term projects that I know take chunks of time, particularly when you're trying to come up with something that's, um, you can do a demonstration of at the end of the day on Sunday or in day two, I should say in this case. Um, if I just demonstrate all the tiny little, weeks that I've done in like 10 different plugins that could take me a while. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Well, um, I I keep doing these crazy things. For example, um, Semantic Linkbacks now has the ability to manually send a notification to your phone if you have one of two plugins installed for any uh, specific mention. Yeah. So basically, I, um, you can manually or automatically, again, optionally speaking, uh, spam your phone with notification messages. <laughs> By the way, I think I prefer uh, some variant thereof. But for example, I can. The reason why there's a manual option is because I had to test it somehow. Yeah. So I can trigger it right now to send a message to my phone saying that blank like this note works perfectly. <laughs> um, Again, somebody that note was liked, by the way, in 2017. <laughs> but again, it's back to I needed to be able to trigger it manually. I can also now manual. There's also an option in, if you turn on debugging mode to manually resend a, a comment email, which in the new version is now tweaked so that you can actually see what type of web mention it was. Yeah. So that allowed me to collapse another one of those temporary plugins I wrote two years ago. Oh, that's good. Well, I'm trying to consolidate. Admittedly, I'm consolidating features that only I use. Well, that's the other thing, too, is everybody's so worried about these, you know, seven or eight different plugins being slowly merged into one or two. And oftentimes I think they have no idea that there's another 10 or 15 they're not aware of necessarily that. Well, a lot of things start out as these little tiny plugins that were meant to be merged in at some point. For example, yeah. web mentions for threaded comments and web mention the form were originally these separate repositories that were separate because there were features being developed and later just merged in. Yep. You know, other people do that in a fork, but it's really hard to maintain when the fork is moving forward. Yeah. Um, so there's probably more of that coming if I can think of some more little ideas. Um, 
But well, I think most of the smaller plugins that I'm aware of like that web mention comments. Well, I have one crazy idea uh, for a summit project. Yeah. Uh, here's the crazy summit project idea. Um, I convince the more knowledgeable people about Vouch to help me build Vouch into WordPress. That yeah, that would be crazy. I've never. Well, the thing is, I'd like to have a Vouch session because I've never understood Vouch. Yeah, I understand it in theory. I've never quite understood how to implement Vouch. So I think it might be worthy to do a Vouch session. If they can, if they can get me to crystallize it in my mind, I can build it. Well, the tough thing is building enough of something in a day to demo it. But yeah, but if even if it's a session on the first day, then I could build. I could build it that during those three weeks that I'm going to be exiled this summer. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say usually I find that you're probably the most productive on new fun things in the week and a half after. Well, this a time I'm not leaving the country immediately after. So, or after a camp where you're holed up in a hotel for weeks at a time. I'm holed up at a, at a hotel with uh, a lot of indie webbers. And last year, it was yeah. only me and Doug Beal over at the University Place Hotel. This year, um, there I think there are like five other people there. Yeah, I'm sharing a room with Marty McGuire. Uh, Gregor is there. I know I saw at least two or three other people who are. At Malcolm, I think was coming. I think so. Maybe. I think fact, also there, but... I actually started looking this morning at swapping my hotel to go over there as well. Since well, I can I can give you and anybody listening to the podcast a recommendation. So last year we were staying over there, and I found the hotel. Yeah. Um, Doug was um, basically I had a reservation, and he joined me on it. Yeah. So basically, I looked at all these different hotels. I looked at all these locations. I looked at all these pricing. It's it is not a luxury hotel. It's clean. Um, people have called it dated, and they're probably right about that. But it's on a transit line, and yeah. the transit line runs directly. So your choice being spend another $300 and be five minutes from the venue instead of 15 minutes from the venue, or save mm -hmm. your money, uh, get a free complimentary breakfast, Wi-Fi, a cookie on check-in. Oh, there you go. I'm well, Marty, and who, Marty's checking and, in first. He can have the cookie. Well, and when you when you're when you're at a camp, you know, how much time are you going to spend in that room anyway? Yeah, you're there to sleep and maybe hang out after you don't feel like going anywhere. But if there are five other indie webbers in the hotel, yeah, yeah, one of us should have gotten a suite. <laughs> There's still time. Move your reservation over there, get a suite, and find somebody to share it with, and we could have like a new. Indie after party. There you go. But I had a single room. I can't. Uh, so then, so... Uh, is there a uh, duck tour in Portland? I, sh I should make that a tradition. <laughs> duck tour, Portland, Oregon. Uh, Maine duck tours. No, it's Portland, Maine. I should have been more specific. Portland, Oregon. Best duck tour in. Portland, Oregon. Uh, yes, there are duck tours in Portland, Oregon. All right. I know what we're doing Monday afternoon. <laughs> duck tour. Uh, Portland Duck Land and Water Tours offers tours that go straight from land into the Willamette River and back again on Fibimus. Fib 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 I keep getting it wrong. 
amphibious vehicles based on the old um, duck trucks used during World War II. Yeah. So uh, you can look into that. Uh, PortlandDucks.com. If I'm reading the website correctly. Which apparently I'm not because Portland Ducks redirects to a blank page. Cool. Uh, maybe they went out of business. We'll find something. Well, there's also the Oregon Ducks, which is a whole other ball of wax. Um, oh, is that like the Mighty Ducks? Uh, something like that. There's a, a a college football team up in Oregon. That... I don't know. As long as I don't get stuck in that thing I got stuck in last week. Oh, yeah. Oh, so I've got a question for you. So I saw it float by a week or two ago, but there was a a WordPress plugin, and I don't think I saw the plugin page, but I saw a GitHub page uh, that was essentially a WordPress plugin for a thing called Friends that was meant for sharing content privately within WordPress through your friend with your friends through uh, RSS in some sense. Um, and I keep meaning to take a look at it and play around with it. I haven't. It, this is the first I've it, heard of it. I might have missed it. Okay. Uh, I'm trying to think of where it may have been in the main indie web chat. I think Tontech saw it or noticed it. But it's a, essentially called friends for WordPress. And I, I it came up because I, there were a hint. Somebody had asked on Twitter sometime during the week exactly what is indie web. Can you define it? And I think everybody who's in the indie web has a different way of defining it, for, primarily for themselves, if not even in a broader context. Although I think most of the basic definition is relatively solidified. I don't know. I've I've realized that um, I have to get more indie web activity on my site because with the loss of uh, Bridgie um, Publish and Bridgie Backfeed for Facebook, a lot of my commentary coming back was coming from Facebook. Yeah. Um, But I know there has been folks like uh, Eddie Hinkle have been building newsletter functionality into their site so that friends and family who they're kind of losing with this Facebook change can still read and consume and comment. You know, I have that, but I'm a legacy. Yeah. Is, do they still offer that functionality? Uh, they do, but, um, or it's paid only. Yeah. So I was thinking of re-implementing it, uh, in a more indie web friendly manner. Well, I guess we should de- define what you're talking about okay, so that um, don't, lo- a, don't lose. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so this is Postmatic. So Postmatic uh, is sort of an interesting case. Um, now, I heard about this, and it is a WordPress-specific um, email service. So the idea is that um, if you reply to a Postmatic email that's sent out from your site on a post, then the replies become comments on your post. So it does backfeed. I like backfeed. Yeah. So, and, and particularly in this case for friends and family who either don't have their own site or who are stuck inside Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or something else. 
but I think their pricing model is sort of a, uh, an issue here. Uh, so their conversation starter, and again, uh, there's a notation here where it says start free. So it may be that they've changed this since the last time I looked, where uh, the basic plan is $20 per month. And I'm not sending enough to justify a $20 a month plan. I would certainly pay them something. Mm -hmm. It's basically send posts, newsletters, or digests to up to uh, 10,000 subscribers. Yeah. So I'm sort of looking for the, uh, you know, the, uh, like for 50 people. Yeah. And $20 a month for 50 people is not worth it. Mm. As you might imagine. Well, how, how about leveraging things that are already out there? So, well, that's what I want to do. I want to basically may, build the functionality using individual pieces and stuff that's already out there. So, if, so if you've got a service like WebMentionIO that can receive emails and turn them into comments that then get ha, or have Does WebMentionIO do that? Uh, I thought there was I, talk about it at one point. I think I've heard talk. But I don't think that it itself. I don't think anybody has built a an email receiver endpoint that that essentially does that. Oh, um, that could be the next Bridgie. But that could, you know, that could be a very interesting, easy piece that fills in a lot of that lost kind of Facebook backfeed, and then also brings in because I don't, as far as I know, I don't think anybody has created an email interface that will then turn around and set web, web mentions on its behalf for things that are sent by email. Well, I do have a crazy idea that I've been thinking about for a long time. Postmatic has this functionality where uh, subscribers um, to the email newsletter are stored in the user table as subscribers mm -hmm. there, which makes sense if you think about it. So wait, within the user table on Postmatics on WordPress setup or on your WordPress instance? On your WordPress instance. Okay. So for example, I originally set this up and mentioned it at a indie web camp in Cambridge a few years back, and that's why uh, some of the people who signed up that day are still there. But I also have mm -hmm. other people who I even have one of the people from Postmatic who signed up because I was an early beta tester of the product. Mm -hmm. So I want to take this idea of this user functionality and sort of I had this idea a while ago but I never pursued it which is basically roll it in with a, an hcard importer and a gravatar profile importer to create full featured user profiles for people mm -hmm. uh, now that after I say that of course the uh, people in Europe are going to say no Yeah, I'm not insulting anybody in Europe I know that's um, but the argument that was given to me when I said, you know, people are worried about this is uh, nobody is worried about you keeping the contact list on your phone. Yeah, I was going to say, or your personal Rolodex that you've yeah. built over time. So I want to build that type of Rolodex into my site where I have a pro. Now, these profiles would be in the user table, which means somebody could actually log into my website as a subscriber, which means you don't get any privileges. Mm -hmm. Subscriber role in WordPress is, is minimal. And basically update their my version of their profile. Think about that yeah. for a second. If you could, let's say that you're the test case, because you are often my test case. Because if I build something, you'll generally try it for me. 
imagine you having an account on david.chansky.com and that account had no privileges. It was just you could log into it. That would mean you could log into it using IndieAuth, using your website, mm -hmm. because the URL associated with the account would be bafosako.com. So you could log in, you could update your information. It could pull that information from the H card on your site as well and store it in the user table. So you'd have complete control over what I had on you. You'd be able to update the profile image if you wanted, the one that I'm storing locally. Mm -hmm. And that would be the first step of this. And then all I need is the email component. And email newsletter is really easy. There are a bunch of different companies I could attach to to get that. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to build Postmatic. I want to build basically that idea of this user table piece. And then I want to basically integrate to a mailing list piece of software that would just send it out based on the on these designated users in my user table. Mm -hmm. I'd like to see about replies, but problem at a time. Yeah, or if you've got some kind of switchboard type functionality that will take email as an input and then send web mentions, appropriate web mentions. Yeah, I know people have talked about that because there's definitely a page on web mention by email on the wiki. I don't, yeah, I was going to say, I don't think I've ever looked. No, I remember that. I know it's there. I'm Web mentions. I know that there's one about web mentions by email, and I don't know where it is, but I remember very distinctly seeing it. I think the tough part with email is the question, and do you make it obvious when you're sending that email reply that this reply is going to be shown publicly? Because that isn't always necessarily the user well, that's sort of why I interface case. That's sort of why I really want to think about this. Is, hey, maybe I'm sending that, or either that, or all all web mentions that come from this particular location are all always moderated. That way, you're not accidentally giving away. I'm still trying to find that email. I have a very distinct recollection of it, but I don't know where it is. If any of our listeners, assuming we have listeners, right? Uh, one or two. You've, you're getting list. You're getting listen posts. I know yeah, for a fact. If any of them remember where that page is, because I remember this discussion. I'm sure it's somewhere. In fact, um, you should add an H card and a U category when you make your posts, because I know I, it's happened once. I think in one of the early episodes, you tagged me, and then people who respond to yours usually are pulling in that data and my URL is there. So then when they reply, so I need to, I need to manually mark up your name. I get the, then I get the reply as well to my site, whether or not I've actually posted the podcast at that point or not, but I'll mark it up as a tag. I yeah. don't think I have anything automatic for that, but I did do some work in that regard. Um, mm -hmm. There was some feedback that there was no icon on the post. Yeah. So I was mentioning this. Um, I found a WordPress plugin called um, WP Term Images by John Jacob Jacoby, also known as JJJ. And I was able to update the theme I use for my site that not only will it, uh, for any taxonomy that has an image, will it display it on the archive page, but it will put it as the image for the RSS feed. Mm -hmm. So anybody who's using that theme. So now if you went to david.chansky.com slash series slash indieweb dash podcast, 
Um, I have not yet picked an icon, so I am temporarily using the IndieWeb logo. But at least it is in a giant picture of my face, which was the there only other go. image on the page. Well, I I think I have a big um, landscape version of the IndieWeb logo that has small versions of our faces on it, yeah. if you want to steal that. But it's not the traditional yeah. 1400 by 1400 massive square I just did. I just wanted to make sure that that was working. I could always change the icon later. Yeah. But now any any category or tag or anything on my site can actually have its own. And I didn't have to write any plugin code because I found a plugin that did it for me. So I just supported it. Yeah. And even crazier, since I know you like crazy things that I'm doing for no particular reason, <laughs> um, the same code also in the... 2016 fork that I run will uh, for um, the kind archives will pull in a giant image of the kind icon. So I have a little stretch of code that will basically pull in that little symbol if you go to one of those pages. Wait, the kind, the kind, the kind, the actual kind icon. So the you know the heart for likes as an example. Oh, that's fancy. I figured why not. Yeah, no, everybody should have a giant heart on their page. Yeah, or, or a giant uh, map pen. Which somehow I've never been a big fan of, but... Uh... Uh, I oh. only take suggestions about alternative kind of... Oh, no, it's, uh, you know, I'm just... The, I'm never, I've never been a big fan of the map pen. It just it looks weird to me. Um but I, I also haven't seen anything else that's better or more interesting. Uh, although it does bring up the question, because I think there were a few people a week or two ago who were looking at how to change individual pages for archives on their site. And my, you know, my presumption is they're, most of them use post kinds. So then the question is, what is the, if one were going to create a custom PHP file to change, and typically it's done, usually you do it to change the, the text at the top of the page. You don't need to anymore. There's a filter for that. I use it. Okay. That's why if you look at the top of a, of a, of a post kinds archive, yeah. it actually does say, um, right now it says the name and it says sort of the, the set description mm -hmm. of what that is. But if you wanted to change it, there's a filter. Uh, WordPress solved that problem so you didn't have to create an entirely new template. Oh, that's nice. Well, I'm, Assuming yeah. your theme supports the new settings, which your theme would have to do. Yeah. Uh, they only went in a few versions ago. It's uh, get the archive title and get the archive description. Uh, so uh, they went in WordPress 4.1. So that was a while ago, but um, if your theme doesn't use it, mm -hmm. then you just have to replace what's in there. For example, Independent Publisher does not use it. Uh, that's why I have a pull request uh, for, I think, a year and a half now. That I think he's been busy. Yeah. Well, and I think he's also gotten to the point, too, where he feels the plugin, for the most part, is very stable. Yeah. No, I did a whole bunch of MF2s. 
I did all these different things. Which is always a scary thing. <laughs> I know, I've learned. <laughs> I've learned that if I if I break it into smaller pieces, it's much more manageable. Yep. But anyway, um, I moved over to the 2016 fork, which it's been suggested I should give a name other than the 2016 fork. Yeah. So if anybody has any suggestions. 2016 IndieWeb, make it its own parent theme and then let people make their own child theme out of it. No, it is its own thing, but they yeah. suggested yeah. that I, it was suggested that I not call it 2016. Well, but I it uh, typically I think within the repository most themes that do that type of thing typically keep the original name. Well, mine I would mention it in the description, but it may be that I want to distribute it at some point. Although I'm told distributing those things is a pain, but yeah. Mine has, well, but a, it, has a you know basically a lot of tweaks, a lot of backports from um, other. So it was based on underscores, and I backported all this underscore improvement that had been done since then. Yeah, well, I think a lot of people who do those types of forks, because when you look at that fork, your forked version, it still looks very 2016ish. Uh, but for marketing purposes, typically people will leave the 2016 phrase in there and then add another piece of phrase phrasing after that. And the benefit of that also becomes then when people look for 2016, they f they can find something that looks like the thing they're looking for, but that may be slightly different that they don't have to, you know, make further modifications to directly themselves. Yeah, I also. If anybody wants to create their own theme, I maintain a, a fork of underscores uh, with microformats modifications. That uh, even though they abandoned the idea of letting me merge it in, I basically just keep rebasing it against the most current version of the code. Mm -hmm. So you could download my version, which basically every time they do, like every month or two, I basically bring it up to date. Yeah, or update the diff. That's basically what I do. So if you yeah. download my version, then you get... Right now, it's one commit ahead, which is the microformats, two changes, but it's four commits behind the master version. So I'm just going to mm -hmm. keep doing that as long as possible. So anybody can make their own version of it using that. That's useful. Well, I've started... Two weeks ago, I think I started doing a fork of the 2012 theme. Well, tell me if you need me. And it it's it's getting somewhere. I'm not I'm not to the point where I'm going to self dog food it all together yet. I have a lot of fun with that because um, not only am I occasionally annoying myself with things, but I found out there are enough people who are using my um, fork of that theme mm -hmm. that I succeeded in messing up other people. <laughs> I've never claimed that it was for any that I was writing it for anybody other than myself, but I'm happy that people are using it. Yeah, no, it's it not it supports not only the indie web plugins, but it supports any plugin that I might want to use. Yep. So it supports well, the series plugin because I use that to create series. What the podcast is that as? It supports this term images thing, so I don't have to write that code. Mm -hmm. Well, I think even my child version of 2016 is supporting a bunch of the changes you made but i you know from my perspective i think you 
you went you went pretty far because you tore out all of the f- post format stuff in in lieu of post kinds. Well, that's because which, post which is, is meant to be a replacement for post formats. Which is which is not bad, but I think you know sometime off in the future, if I switch themes again, I may be stuck with using something that's got post formats built in. I may as well have all the data the way I want it instead of having to go back and massage well, that's it why after I, the That's point. why PostKinds tries to automatically set a post format. Yeah, it's about it's not because I think you should be using post formats. I obviously don't. It's for backwards compatibility. Yeah, but um, we'll see. Um, either way, there's potential excitement. So the summit is coming up on Monday is the leader summit. Um, Monday night is the pre-party, and we have Tuesday and Wednesday. Um, and apparently, there's donut.js as an optional add-on if you want to go there. Uh, and then you go home unless you're staying around for the last. Uh, what's that thing called? Uh, it's on. It's on, it's on Friday. OS Bridge. Sorry, it took me a moment there. The tenth um, anniversary. Well, I can't justify being away that long. If it was the next day, I might be able to, but I don't want to hang around for a day and then do something and then go home after that. Yeah, or do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then stay an extra day and a half. So Wednesday night, I'm leaving town. Yeah. And I'm going home just this year, not abroad. That didn't quite work out for me last year. I ended up with an extra day in Portland. Oh, yeah. But we'll see what happens. So uh, well, hopefully there's a lot uh, that everybody has to think about. I enjoy this podcast because it gives me an opportunity to talk about what I'm doing, talk to you a bit. Well, and it also, I think, it. it helps make... I think I've seen a lot of people f- figuring out why certain choices were made and what's going on or what they could be thinking about. So it helps. I know it's kind of like a living uh, frequently asked questions session and or. Well, maybe that's the challenge for the next episode. A live read me. But that that's the thing. What if for the, the next time we do one of these, we ask if anybody wants to respond to the, this episode. Uh, with a reply, oh. with some questions, and we'll answer those questions the next time we convene. Oh yeah, we we could do a questions episode if we get any although, questions. Although actually, then at the next session, the next episode may actually be a you know live from Indie Web Summit. Yeah, I was going to bring a recorder just in case, but but cer- certainly the one the at the episode after that we could. Well, I'm just saying, why don't we? Um, if anybody has a topic that they want us to talk about or questions they want to discuss, reply to this episode from your website. And we'll look at those comments. You can reply on either version. You may notice that uh, both Chris and I post our own versions of this. Uh, although what we what I have not figured out, which would be interesting, I think it, um, is how to make sure that the comments on either one are syndicated to the other one. Yeah, I've been noodling with some ideas of how to do that because I think there is a case in the area of journalism where a journalist could post their article on their own site, syndicate it to, you know, the bigger publisher, let's say the New York times. Well, it's basically, it's a com um, it's basically backfeed and indicate that the one's a canonical copy and the other one's an alternate, but that the both get the same backfeed. Well, the way that, 
all the technology is there. But what you need is basically the ability for when you receive a comment on your site and your, if your post is marked up as a, let's say, a repost of my post, mm-hmm. it should send the mention back up to me. And that functionality we don't have. Or or vice versa. Well, the well, vice versa is something of a problem. Um, because, again, you wouldn't want to send something downstream to the repost. That would have to mm-hmm. be optional. Yeah. But you would want to send it up the other way. So I'm going to make note of this. Backfeed. Hmm. Or essentially a slightly varied, varied version of cell mention. Well, Sal Mentions is also another one on the list of things to implement. But Sal Mentions is very similar. Um, Sal Mentions, let me see if I can just describe it, and that's a good sort of uh, last topic. Uh, It propagates comments upstream by sending a web mention from a response to original post when the response receives a response. So you could say that a a repost is a response, and then Sal Mentions would work. Mm -hmm. But that only works upstream, not downstream. It's basically one. Somebody has to have the canonical copy. So if we're doing the podcast, is mine the canonical copy and yours is the repost, or vice versa? Uh, I would say, in general terms, yours is the canonical copy. Then, and you're, and typically you're posting it first. Yeah. Then you would be, then you would be feeding cell mentions back to me. Yeah. But it may, but be, it, it may finally be time to do cell mention. But in our case, where we're generally posting it at roughly at the same time or contemporaneously, or in the case where a journalist were posting it both to their own site as well as to uh, something else, it would be nice if they were mirrored in both directions. So if the New York Times gets the comment, it comes back to the original, so the original journalist sees it. Well, that's an in- again, that's an interesting one. What's the opposite of a sound mention? A sound mention is upstream from responses up to the original source content. So what's the reverse direction? Well, all those baby salmons fish, you know, swim right back down the river to yeah, the ocean. Yeah, I'm saying, do we have a, a term or do we have any examples of people doing that? I don't, I don't think there's a term, and then to my knowledge, I don't think I've heard of examples of it. There, I'll let the chat room argue about it. Yeah, they're gonna wonder what I'm talking about. It's gonna be it'll be a new it'll be a new session at uh, at the summit. Well, uh, we haven't talked Sal mentions and Vouch, the two protocol extensions to Web Mention in a while at a at an indie web camp. I'd like to. Yeah, I'm thinking of suggesting a Vouch session. It's time to get people adopting Vouch, and you mm-hmm. know that that the next part will be. Why don't you write a a vouch plugin for WordPress. Mm-hmm. Well, I think there's, and I may end there, up doing it because I keep doing things like that when people say, "Why don't you do this?" I think there's, there are two or three people who have implementations of vouch, though. Yeah, but I'm saying of vouch and sal mentions are two long-standing pieces that we haven't built in. Mm-hmm. Now, the um, there is a a somewhat buggy version of sal mentions for semantic linkbacks that. Uh, just to give you an example, that particular um, version of semantic linkbacks is, I forget how many, let's put it this way, the Pfefferly fork of WordPress semantic linkbacks is 248 commits 
ahead of the other version. Yeah. But it's 20 commits behind. So there are 20 commits representing cell mentions, but it's uh, so that code would have. So I have an example of what that code would look like. But she hasn't uh, updated it. Uh, Probably since 2014. 2017. Oh, really? OK. That's more recent than I would have expected. Well, I kept breaking her code by, <laughs> by making all of these other things. But I may just take that code and figure out a way to make it work. Yeah, or uh, figure out a way to integrate it. Is there a cell? Did somebody ever build a standalone cell mentions plugin? Uh, no, because the thing is that the hooks are there to implement it. In... But it just was never done. Uh, well, it was done. It just, we broke it 248 commits ago. <laughs> it was never merged into the main plugin because the implementation was somewhat. Well, if you've got rough. things like, you know, WebFinger and cell mentions built in, then it becomes easier to federate as part of, you know, things like Mastodon. Do have WebFinger built in? Oh, I think there's a there's a sep, there's a separate plugin. I think that will do that. A WebFinger uses email address like identifiers to get info about users. Many indie web projects, I'm just reading from the page, choose to have people identified by website URL instead. Yeah. So there is a web finger. I think I would go with a more traditional H card. Mm -hmm. or, do, or do it that way, but do it in a way that still allows you to federate with Mastodon and the rest of the Fediverse in some, some sense. Well, again, there are ways to sort of convert into other formats. For now... I may try my hand at cell mentions after the other 50 things I want to do. <laughs> but you may notice sometimes I put things I want to do on the back burner and decide I want to do something else. Yeah. Well, I, I'm, st I'm still waiting for the rest of your location suite to to come back around. What part are you, what, uh, the private and public problem? Oh, no, well, no, I just, I know you have, it's one of the itches that's been a longstanding one that you've always got on a back burner somewhere. But uh, trips, yeah, trips, wanted. itineraries, yeah. Um, but that's a little more complicated. But I have I have things in the location plugin. I want to handle. You know, or little hidden things like altitude that I know are already there. That you know, maybe two sites are using. Well, uh, no one's. Every site is storing it. Uh, no one's displaying it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's for those rare check-ins at the Eiffel Tower. Well, I, I was I always think of airplanes. Yeah, well, and that, but that's why I suppose you built it in originally was for that. You know, yeah, trans I I, I, I got the original test data from airplane flights, mm -hmm. where I'd be able to post I was at thirty thousand feet. But either way, it's it's somewhere on my list. Everything's somewhere on my. Yeah, but there are some other fixes I want to do there. Um, are there other easy weather providers that have APIs? Plenty. Dark Sky, uh, Weather Underground, just to name two off the top of my head. Okay. I just have to implement. Um, this it's the same thing I'm doing for syndication links, which is basically 
Um, I have a provider file which takes the API and converts it into the structure that plugin needs. Mm -hmm. So you don't um, you don't have to know where the information is because ultimately it comes out in the the posse stuff that I want to do where uh, you don't have to know how the thing gets output. You just have to know what you want to send into it. Mm -hmm. So the black box idea. Yeah. Although that reminds me too, I think somebody mentioned the other day, Aaron Proraki replied to somebody and the reply, because WordPress pulls in the data and shows something. I think it indicated he was at a tobacco store. Oh, that one. Yeah. That technically I think is across the street from where he lives. So I, I'm I'm I guessing not, I do not accept responsibility for that. His so, but my guess is his site is sending the GPS coordinates. The WordPress plugin is getting it and taking a half of a guess at what those coordinates correspond to. Yeah, but if you put if he actually had a location label, it would override. Okay, so in his case, it was likely there was no location label, so it guessed that he was at the. Because I've had, yeah. run into a few oddball things like that where, well, the right now GP. the way that the location plugin is designed, it stores location in any table that uh, supports meta. Mm -hmm. uh, that includes the that includes the user table, the comment table, the post table, and the one that no, that has never been used, the term meta table. How would you use that? Or what would be a use case? Oh, I've already designed that. I've never implemented it, but the design is already there. Yeah. Venues. Well, I mean, but you're but what are you using it for? Venues. Venues would be a term. So therefore okay. they need a location. Okay. That makes sense. Um but so while the structure is there, it's uh, the interface has never been implemented because venue searching is something I haven't quite wrapped my head around. Mm -hmm. And I have this philosophy. If it was, uh, if it's annoying enough that Aaron hasn't uh, implemented it, then yeah, there's, a, there's a reason why. <laughs> Although there are a few things that I've implemented that he has not. Um, for example, the indie auth endpoint in WordPress has token revocation and uh, it's not supported everywhere else. Hmm. I wanted the ability in the interface to get rid of tokens. Although I yeah. really have to make it look nicer. Well, even if it's ugly, having the ability to do it is something. And then you can iterate on all the other pieces. Well, I iterate on everything. Well, it's impressive to see how far it's come inside of four years. We'll see what's next. Essentially, you have rebuilt Facebook, but within WordPress. I wouldn't go that far. But I think you've actually done some more interesting things than WordPress has ever done. Well, I just wish I had more company in that regard. Yeah. It would be nice if there were more people building this sort of thing. If I spent, if, if I spent my entire day reviewing pull requests from other people. Oh, yeah. It's a good problem to have. I'd like to have that problem at some point. But then I'd feel like it sort of pull back a little. And other stuff. But I enjoy doing it. If I didn't enjoy doing it, I wouldn't 
do it all the time. It's not the only thing in the world. Yeah. Oh, come on. Indie, indie web is our lives. Yeah. That's how I plan my vacations around indie webcams. That's why I made that offer to Matthias. Mm-hmm. That if you showed up at a German indie webcam, I would almost certainly try to come. Oh, yeah. Because I, one, I don't have a recollection. And two, I think after all the pestering I've done to him over the years, I should be in the same room with him at least once. Yeah. Maybe bring him a gift. There you go. Thank you for, well, putting, thank you for putting up. <laughs> the only thing I have to figure out is, um, considering that his biggest comment to me has always been on indenting, I, oh, need, an, I need an indenting-themed gift to give him if I ever see him in person. <laughs> I'm not sure what that would be, though. Yeah. Mm. Is there such a thing as an indent T-shirt? Yeah, I don't know. I have a I have a tool that you can use to take dents out of cars, but I oh, don't here, know. Oh, here's he, one. I don't know what he would do with that. I found just the thing. Uh, let's see. This is a women's T-shirt. I need a men's version. There must be a men's version. Spoiler alert, Matthias. Cover your ears. Oh, there's there's the way to do it. We'll hide it in the show notes. Yeah, but there's a there's a women's version of this of this t-shirt, but I, I have to find the men's version. Yeah. Or we we could make our own. Twenty seven ninety nine for a t-shirt. <laughs> and for that t-shirt, no less. Anyway, um, jokes aside, um, <laughs> I, I've been known to do t-shirts before. I think I showed you the, the one that I made um, some years ago from my grandfather. Oh, yeah. No, I, I think you actually posted about it, if I remember. Yes, it's one of the few times I've actually posted a picture of a family member because I usually assume that they don't want me to. Uh, so my grandfather spent all of these years um, asking me what I did for a living. So when I changed job titles at my company, I worked for the same company for 15 years, I got him a T-shirt with um, basically my title on the T-shirt and took a picture of him wearing it. And that's on the back of your business card now, right? Uh, I don't have a business card. Uh, well, I don't do did. business. <laughs> Although the company the company did make me take a uh, seminar where I learned that I'm not allowed to bribe a government official. Oh, that's always nice. Yeah, um, I don't know if I'd ever be in a position to do that. I do training, so it's sort of hard to know when uh, somebody in a training position would be in a position to bribe a government official. But I know yeah. that if one shows up, I'm not supposed to bribe them. Yeah, well, that's to me that's kind of common sense, but. Well, they they make you take all these online ethics courses and online security, so I had to do a GDPR one also. Oh, really? okay. Well, so they can I... say that they trained everyone on it. Yeah. I just think that the government official bribing uh, lesson may have been targeted at a different group. Yeah, probably. Well, when you're an international corporation, I guess. Well, um, I'm always happy when I'm just a local corporation. The international part of my job is probably 
You're the well. You you are the indie web man of mystery. Really, I didn't think I was that mysterious. But on that note, um, I guess we should adjourn until we reconvene this podcast at the Indie Web Summit. Yeah, until we see each other a week from Monday. That's God willing. It's so close. Yeah, that's so far. It's almost too close. Well, until then, uh, hopefully, um, Portland will not be as hot as last time. I better check just. So the last thing I'm going to do here is actually look at the 10-day weather forecast for Portland, Oregon. So I want to know, is it going to be 102? Yeah. Well, as long as we're not in a... Uh, let's see here. Uh, according to the current forecast, um, Monday will be a high of 75, a low of 52. Uh, Tuesday, seven, high of 71. Uh, Wednesday, high of 75. Not bad. Well, that's perfect because again, it's been over ninety the last two times I was there. That's that's a great donut eating weather. You can eat the donut. I'll watch. Yeah, I've been good for over a year now. I don't want to break the streak. Yeah, uh, that's. Uh, <laughs> I I always break the streak when I'm uh, on vacation. Uh, well, let's put it this way: um, in order to prevent myself from breaking the streak while I'm on vacation, I have co-opted my friend in Seattle to go to the supermarket and buy me five items and I'm bringing a collapsible duffel bag and I will be hauling them to Portland after I finish using them in Seattle. Nice. Uh, well, after the unfortunate incident in Austin where I um, froze my tail off walking around downtown Austin trying to find a, a container of unsweetened almond milk, <laughs> I've learned my lesson. Yeah. Difficult, but I've learned. Excellent. And I'll have some. I'll have some extra almond milk to give Manton Reese. There you go. I owe him almond milk. <laughs> I know that's the reason he's showing up to collect. He's showing up because I told him that the next time I saw him, I was going to make sure that I paid paid it forward. Yeah. There you go. Well, I told him it could be a beverage of his choice. But if he had no preference, it would be almond milk. There By the go. way, since I'm feeling generous, if you'd like to share the almond milk. <laughs> I am getting ready to make my first almond milk post. At that point or at some general point? <laughs> I'm building interface and trying to choose an icon right now. It'll be right next to the chicken post, I guess. There you go. Well, until next time, uh, this concludes episode, what are we up to, seven? Seven. Episode seven of an Indie Web podcast, where we once again talk, and we're looking forward to your replies to this episode posting, either on my site or on Chris's site, where you tell us what we should talk about or anything that you want us to answer in our next episode. Otherwise, we'll just keep talking. Excellent. See you next week. Until then, it's now time for me to make my dinner. Hopefully I won't burn it.